0: Stand with me this morning as we honor the reading of the wonderful Word of the Lord. Today we're looking in the book of Romans, chapter number 12. We're going to begin reading with verse number 4. The Apostle Paul writes, and he says, Just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Father, I thank you for your incredible, incredible word. Father, it indeed is a lamp unto our feet. It is a light unto our path. God, I pray again today that your anointing will rest upon the message and upon the messenger, Lord, today. Once again, I pray that you'll give us ears upon our heart today to hear what the Spirit would say unto the church today. And God, may we not just be hearers of your word, but may we put in, Lord, to practice the word that we receive today. God, all for your glory, we ask in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. All of God's people said, praise the Lord. And you may be reseated this morning. Well, today we're going to continue our series I'm calling Roaming Through Romans. Now, to roam means to stroll through a large area. Now, we're not going through the book of Romans verse by verse, but we are strolling through it, stopping off here and there. Today, we have stopped off at chapter 12, and we're going to take a close look at verses 4 through 8. And there are four things in these five verses that I would like for us to notice. And the first thing that I want us to notice, the first thing that I see in these verses is I see the analogy, the analogy. In verses 4 and 5, Paul compares the church with a human body. The church, which is made up of the saints, is much like a human body. So much so that the church is also called the body of Christ. Now let me suggest three things here as we take a look at this analogy. First of all, I want us to understand that our bodies are made up of many parts. We have a head, we have arms, we have legs, we have feet, we have hands. We have a heart, we have lungs, we have a a liver. Unless you've been delivered. We have eyes, uh, we have Ears, we have a nose, we have a tongue, and the list goes on and on and on. Our bodies are made up of innumerable parts. And so it is with the body of Christ, the church. The second thing I want us to notice here and that is that each part has a different function. Our brain helps us think. Our eyes helps us see. Our hands help us Touch our feet, help us walk. Our heart pumps blood in order to keep us alive. And on and on and on and on I could go this morning. Each and every body part has a different function. I I don't need my eyes to help me hear. I I need my ears for that. I I don't need my feet to to help me comb my hair. But I do need my hands and my arms. Each part of the body has a different function. And so it is in the body of Christ, the church. Every single member of Christ's body is a particular body part. And each particular body part has a specific function. And each particular body part is important and necessary if the body is going to function properly. And then the third thing I want to call your attention to and this, as we're talking about this, and that is that each part is dependent on the other. Take the hand, for instance. God did good when he made our hands. Didn't God do good when he made our hands? Just think of all of the incredible things that we can do with our hands. Uh, With our hands, we can wave at people. Works real good when you're on a float in a, in a parade, you know. Um, we can use our hands to, to comb our hair. Well, here's a good one. We can use our hands to eat fajitas with. Um, wow, our hand comes in really, really handy when we itch and we have to scratch. Wouldn't that be horrible if you had a an itch, but you didn't have a hand to scratch the itch. God did good when he did when he made the hands, did he not? Uh, with our hands we can we can write or we can we can type. Um we could tie our shoes, we can button our shirt, we can we could put things together, we can pick something up, and the list goes on and on and on. God did really, really good when He made He made our hands, and yet, as awesome as our hands are, if you were to cut the hand off, of your arm and remove it from the body then the hand becomes useless only when the hand is connected to the rest of the body only then can it function only then does it add any value so each part is dependent upon the other paul writes in 1 corinthians chapter 12 verse 12 through 27 Paul says the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. And so it is with the body of Christ, he says. Some of us are Jews, some of us are Gentiles, some of us are slaves, and some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. So if the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I am not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I am not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell something? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen. While the more honorable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members, so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if the one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. So all of us, every single one of us, are a body part in the body of Christ, the church. Have you ever wondered which body part you are? Have you ever wondered? Have you ever asked God which body part you were in the body? Uh, Am I an eye? Do I give vision to the body? Uh, Am I an ear? Do I help the body of Christ hear from God? Am I a foot? Do I help by taking the message where it needs to go? (laughs) Lord knows we have plenty of tongues in the body. (laughs) Years ago, a man in our church told us about his father, whose father, uh, uh, an ordained minister, And, and one day his father was praying and he asked the Lord, he said, Lord, I want you to show me what part of the body I am. Lord, what part of the body of Christ am I? And he said he felt the Lord speak to him and say, you are the big toe. And it offended him. And he got angry and he said, what do you mean, God, I'm the big toe, man? Why what are you talking about, God, I'm an ordained minister? God, I preached your gospel around the world. God, I've laid hands on people that, that were sick and they became well. God, I have the anointing and the favor of God upon my life. God, I've done much for your kingdom and you're telling me that I'm the big toe? And he said the Lord spoke to him and said, the big toe gives balance to the body. And so he went around telling everybody, I'm the big toe. I give balance to the body. I don't know where you fit this morning in the body of Christ. I don't know what body part that you are, but I'm telling you that you are a body part. You are a part of the body of Christ. And God has gifted you and he has blessed you and you are needed uh, to function, amen, in your gift that God has given to you. Notice the next thing that I see in these five verses. The second thing I see is the ability. And the ability is found in The first part of verse number 6. And there are two things that I want us to notice about our ability. First of all, I want us to notice that it is God-given. God-given. Verse number 6 says, God has given us. Has what? God has given us different gifts. Now, one of my gifts is the gift of leadership. I have always found myself leading something. I, I was a leader on my Little League baseball team when I was just, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years old. I was president of the student council. I was captain of the football team. I was pastor of a church at the age of 17. I have always found myself in leadership roles. But it was not that I was any better than anybody else. It's just a gift that was given to me by God. I didn't earn this gift. I wasn't necessarily worthy of this gift. It just happens to be one of the particular gifts that God has given to me. He has given other gifts to other people. They are gifts that I don't have. See, I cannot boast or brag about my gift of leadership because I didn't earn it. It's a gift. You cannot brag about a gift that has been given to you unconditionally. Testing, testing. Are you you there this morning? Where are you? I said You can't brag about a gift that's been given to you unconditionally. And I want you to hear this because somebody needs to hear this this morning. Do not allow someone else's gift to uh, to intimidate you because their gift doesn't make you inferior to them because you also have a gift and the gift that you have they don't have You may not have the gift of leadership that God has given to me, but you have other gifts that I do not have. And let me tell you, if I I would allow myself, I could envy some of you and the gifts that you have that I do not have. But I have to understand and realize, even though I do not have your gift, I have my gift. And you're not better than me because you have a gift that I don't have, and I'm no better than you because I have a gift that you may not have. We all have a gift. So when someone is head and shoulders above the crowd in a certain area, it basically means that they have a God-given gift in that area. We're talking about the ability right now. But not only, it is, not only is it God-given, it is also limited. Notice verse number 6 again. God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. Notice two phrases here. First of all, notice the phrase different gifts. God has given us different gifts. We don't all have the same gifts. One is gifted in one area and someone else is gifted in another. And then the second phrase I want you to notice here, and that is, gifts for doing certain things well. Notice the phrase, certain things. God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. Notice the phrase, certain things, not all things. Certain things. So our God-given gifts are limited. No one is gifted in all areas, but everyone is gifted in some area. Now, I'm not techie, and that's the understatement of the year. And I'm okay with it i don 't feel inferior because i 'm not techie i don 't feel less than someone else who is it doesn 't bother me i 'm okay with it i 've come to grips with it it 's not my it 's not my gift i 'm I'm not, I'm not techie, but I can lead and I can speak. Three people believe me and and, matter of fact, is most techie people cringe when they are asked to speak publicly. In fact, it has been discovered that the number one fear of the average person is the fear of public speaking. Some have even said that it is a greater fear than death. They'd rather die than get up here with me this morning and take my place. And so, although I am not techie, and although, you know, it don't take very, it doesn't take a lot of intelligence in that area to make me, you know, feel dumb and look dumb, uh, I may not be techie this morning, but I can speak and I can lead. So, so, although I don't have your gift, uh, I have my gift. And although you don't have my gift, uh, you have your gift. We all have a place in the body of Christ. We all have our God-given abilities, but we are all limited in our gifts. So, in other words, if you challenge me, to, if you challenge me in techie ability, I'm going to challenge you to a preach-off. <laughs> Here's the good news. We all are needed. And every one of us has something to contribute to the kingdom. No one is better or more important than the other, just different. And when everyone is in their place and everyone is functioning in their gift, the body fulfills what the body was designed to fulfill. Think about this this morning. If you need to see something, the ear is useless. But the time is going to come when you're going to need to hear something and then the ear will be invaluable. Although our particular gift or gifts are limited, they are irreplaceable. And so I have a word for somebody here this morning, and the word that I have for somebody here this morning is, and that is stop envying somebody else's gift and start appreciating and developing your own gift. Stop trying to imitate somebody else in how they operate in their gift and start concentrating on flowing in the gift that God has given to you. And understand this this morning, your greatest success will come in the area of your giftedness. God has given you your specific gift for a specific purpose. And only when you discover and pursue your God-given purpose will you come to see your greatest success. And I want you to listen this morning because sometimes when I start talking about purpose, uh, people get, you know, they, you know, it kind of bothers them because I don't know what my purpose is. I, you know, I hear a pastor get up there and tell everybody that he knows what his purpose is. And I don't know what my purpose is. I'm going to help you discover your purpose this morning. God gave me something just yesterday that is incredible. Listen up. I'm going to help you discover your, your purpose this morning. Discovering your purpose begins with discovering your God-given gifts. So find something to do that matches your God-given gifts and you will be well on your way to discovering your God-given purpose. And here's what the Lord gave me yesterday. Actually, listen, man this is good, it needs to go in a book. Your God given purpose is simply this. Do you want to know what? How many want to know what your God given purpose is? How many of you been frustrated when Pastor talked about God given purpose and I didn't know what mine was? Here it is. I'm going to tell you what your God given purpose is this morning. Your God given purpose is simply this to apply your God given gifts. Isn't that good? That is good. Humility is my other gift. that is good. And if you don't think it's good, yeah, it is good. Your God-given purpose is simply this, to apply your God-given gifts. Pastor, pastor, what is my God-given purpose? Your purpose is simply, 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 simply to apply your God-given gifts. To say it another way would be to say, if you are applying your God-given gifts in a God-honoring way, you are fulfilling your God-given purpose. You're not getting this. Or you don't care. Because this, this, this will turn you around. If you're applying your God-given gifts in a God-honoring way, you are fulfilling your God-called purpose. All right, we've talked about the analogy. We've talked about the ability. Now let's let's look at the acquirement. The acquirement. In verses 6 through 8, Paul lists seven motivational gifts or seven different gifts that God distributes to his saints. And everyone has at least one of these gifts. Gifts. Now, understand these are not all of God's gifts. He has more gifts. These are just the gifts that Paul has listed in Romans chapter twelve. And all of these gifts should be operating in the in the church, uh, 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 Christ's body. If the church, the body of Christ, is going to function properly and effectively. Let's go through these one by one real quickly this morning. I want you just to see if you can recognize your gift as we we run through these seven motivational gifts. The first one Paul uh, lists is the gift of prophecy. The gift of prophecy. Now, one who prophesies speaks a word from God to his people. Someone who prophesies speaks a word from God to his people. And according unto 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse number 3, a true prophecy, a true prophecy is a word of edification and exhortation and comfort. And so if it doesn't fit within the realm of edification and exhortation and comfort, it is a false prophecy. Because those are the boundaries that Paul said that we are to prophesy today. Now we do not prophesy. As the Old Testament prophets prophesied. They prophesied when they prophesied. They were forth. Uh, they were foretelling. But today, when we prophesy, we foretell. We are not looking into a glass, you know, into a, a, a crystal ball and telling somebody their future. That's not what we're doing. We are. We are. We we are speaking a word from the Lord, a word uh, of edification or exhortation or comfort. That's what prophecy is for uh, today. The second gift is the gift of serving. And this is such a wonderful, yet underappreciated gift. A person who possesses the gift of serving, this person is willing to to work behind the scenes with little or no recognition. They're they're, they're not on the platform, they don't have a microphone in hand. Uh, They do the grunt work, they do the heavy lifting. Uh, they meet practical everyday needs. They're here before you get here. And they're, they're making sure that the lights come on. They're making sure that the toilet's flush. They're making sure that the doors are open. They're making sure that the heat is on or the air conditioning. They're, they're doing the grunt work. They're doing the, beside, the behind the scenes kinds of work. They're willing to do the menial tasks. They're not too good to get their hands dirty. And most of all, they get their satisfaction. From helping others succeed. And then the third one that Paul says is, is, is a motivational gift, and that is the gift of teaching, the gift of teaching. Now people who have this gift love to study the word, love to study the word. And, and they love to dig deep and get below the surface. And they love to teach verse by verse. They enjoy word studies. They're into the details of God's word. And this is key right here. A true teacher is more about information than they are about inspiration. Now the preacher's about inspiration. The teacher is about information. I used to be a preacher, never become a teacher, I'm just a treacher now, (laughs) I'm a cross. In fact, the true teacher, the person that actually has the actual gift of teaching must be very careful lest they become dull because not everybody is interested in the details. Most people are like Joe Friday on Dragnet, just the facts, ma'am, just the facts I could tell this crowd this, I don't think I can tell the second crowd this (laughs) See, and to them, to them the information is the inspiration And then the next one is, is encouragement or encouraging And people who have the gift of encouragement are constantly uplifting and constantly inspiring others. They see the glass as half full rather than half empty. They help people believe in themselves when they've lost all hope. And when others are criticizing and judging other people, they are encouraging and offering support. What a wonderful gift this is. Wow, we could use a whole lot of more people Amen, with a gift of encouragement, amen. And then and then Paul lists the gift of giving. The list of giving. And a person that has this gift is very generous by nature. And we're given these gifts before we are even born and so you'll see these gifts if you'll recognize them you will see them in your little children as they are growing on growing up and the the one that possesses the gift of giving that's that little child that is willing to share their candy my granddaughter Eliana does not have that gift you can ask her if she wants to share and she will tell you no A person that has this gift is very generous by nature. And they are constantly helping other people, especially in the area of finances. And usually this person is a person of means because God gives them much because he knows that they will share what they have with those who don't have. Jesus said, give and it shall be given to you. And then the next one is the gift of leadership. The gift of leadership. Now, a person that has the gift of leadership can run anything. doesn't matter what it is, they can run anything. They can run a church. If they can run a church, they can run a business. That's why some pastors, when they lose their credentials or, or they decide not to pastor anymore, they, they do well in business because they can... If, if they are a leader, not all pastors are a leader, but, 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 but a true leader can, can run anything. They can run a church, they can run a business, they can run a school. They can run in any organization because they have the God-given gift of leadership. And good leaders make organizations successful by delegation. They know how to place the right people in the right positions. And they're also good at motivating people. Motivating people and getting people to line up behind them in their vision and follow along in their parade. And leaders, uh, people that have the gift of leadership, they see the big picture. They see the big picture. They can see the finish line before they even get started. And since they have a picture of the finished product in their mind before it is even complete, because of that, the little setbacks and the little irritations don't discourage them or do not stop them. And then the last one that Paul mentions here is the gift of mercy or gift of kindness. And the person with the gift of mercy is always drawn to the one that is hurting. It's easy to recognize someone who has the gift of mercy because when someone is going through trauma, when somebody's going through something, they're always there. Because the person with the gift of mercy is always drawn to the one that's hurting. The one with the gift of mercy, they're the best ones to send to the hospital for visitation. They're good in a crisis situation. And when everybody else has gone home, they're still there. They're still there. They're holding the hand of the one that's suffering. They're offering a shoulder to cry on. They're walking with the hurting through their situation. And so there you have them, seven motivational gifts distributed to different people in the church. And all seven are important and all seven are needed. And nobody has all seven of these gifts, but everyone has at least one of these gifts. And even if a particular gift is not your primary gift, God can still use you in that gift if that gift is needed and you're available. All right, let's look at the last thing that we're going to find in this passage today, and that is the advice. The advice Paul gives is found in verses 6 through 8, and it's threefold. Number one, he tells us, use your gift. Use your gift gift. See, a dormant gift is a slap in the face of God. An unused gift shows a lack of appreciation for your God-given gift. I'll never forget when my son, Chad, was just a little bitty boy. I don't know, he's probably about four years old or so. And it was Christmas time and, and my wife always overdo, overdoes it. She always overdoes it at Christmas. The kids don't think it's, she overdoes it. They just say, more, 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 more. He's just about four years old. And here he is. He's got this big old mountain of gifts. And man, he's tearing into all these gifts. And... Finally, you know, we've all opened our gifts. It's all over and everything. And so I'm talking to Chad and I'm saying, hey, son, how'd you like Christmas this year? Oh, yeah, dad, Christmas was great, man. It's wonderful. Man, you know, I got my big wheel this year, you know, and I got this and that and whatever and something else, you know. And I got all these toys and I got all these. No, 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 no. I said, yeah, son. I said, how about that? How about that little that little suit mama bought you, man? That little suit, you're going to wear that on Sunday morning. I said, how do you like that little suit? He said, yeah. Just what I didn't want. <laughs> I think sometimes we look at our gift and we say, yeah, just what I didn't want. Why can't I have a leadership gift like Pastor has? You may not have my gift, but you have a gift. And it's a God-given gift. And you should use your gift. And stop envying somebody else's gift and use the gift that you've been given. The second piece of advice is develop your gift. Develop your gift. Pastor, you started pastoring at 17. Man, I wish I could have heard you preach when you were 17. No, you don't. (laughs) I promise you, you don't. And I've destroyed all the evidence I'd write in my notes, yell loud, point weak. <laughs> develop your gift. See, even gifted people must practice their gift. Even gifted people must develop their gift or their gift will remain the same as it was when they received it. Somebody said your talent is God's gift to you. What you do with it is your gift to Him. And then the third piece of advice is take your gift seriously. Take your gift seriously. Because what you are strong in, others are weak in. And they're depending upon your strength in that area. And you will never get beyond average in an area you're not gifted in. You'll never get beyond average in an area you're gifted in. Only in your gifted areas do you have the potential to soar beyond average and into excellence. Get the worship team back up this morning. Doing a little preaching this morning. I told you on Facebook I had a practical word for you today. All right, our takeaway this morning. What is our takeaway from this lesson this morning? Number one, everyone has a gift. I don't have your gift, you don't have mine, but we all have a gift. Number two, every gift is important. Martha had the gift Of hospitality, I've talked to you about it before We like to chastise her We like to, you know, we like to give a trophy to Mary Because she sat at the feet of Jesus And she worshipped Jesus And we like to slap Martha around Because she's in the kitchen making dinner Well Mary had her gift, Martha had her gift Every gift is important And let me tell you what the most important gift is Would you like to know what the most important gift is? The most important gift is the one that lines up with the needed hand. Just like when I want to see something, I don't go to my ear. I want to hear something, I don't go to my nose. I want to go somewhere, I don't go, you know, uh, to my elbow or to my feet. So the greatest gift is the gift that lines up with the needed hand. And I'm telling you, even though your gift may not be, you know, it might be my gift that's on stage right now, but I'm about to get off. I'm about to get off. And let me tell you the gifts that are going to shine after I get off, it's going to be those encouraging gifts. It's going to be those merciful gifts. Amen? Amen. It's going to be those serving gifts. Amen. Amen? we like to glorify the worship team. And I love them, man. You are awesome. You're awesome. They know I love them. You're awesome. But you're not the only gift. My gift's pretty important, but it's not the only gift. There's a place for you in the body of Christ. Yeah. You're needed, and you're important, and you're wanted. Amen? Yeah. That's good. And finally and last, everyone will give an account what they did with their gift. Everyone's going to give an account for what they did with their gift. Did they use their gift? Did they develop their gift? See a lot of people use their gift but they never develop their gift. Some people are in the same place today as they were five years ago, ten years ago. They're operating in their gift but they've never developed their gift. God doesn't just want you to use your gift, but he wants you to develop your gift. And you're going to give an account one day when you stand before him with what you did with the gift that he gave you. Stand with me in his presence this morning. Father, thank you for this word, this uh, practical teaching word today. Father, I just pray, Lord, that you will take this word this morning, Father. God, I pray, Lord that, Lord, that we will get a hold of this this morning. Father, those that, Lord, that, that have struggled in the past over their purpose and, and wanting to know their purpose, God, I pray, Lord, that the word that I know, Lord, I, I said it was good because it wasn't me. I didn't come up with that. You gave that to me. That's why I said it was good. I know it's good because it's from you. I pray that you'll help them to get a hold of that and grasp a hold of that today. Help us, oh, Father, Lord, to be found faithful, and be found fruitful. In Jesus' name, amen.